Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradz and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, Nick and I chat with Jim Shields and some of you may know Jim Shields. He's been around kind of, uh, we've been crossing paths in, in our world for some time. He's actually come out to one of the Your Life, Your Terms events a couple years ago. He lives down in Florida, in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, he knows different people here at Rockstar. It's funny how it's a small world and, and, and different paths cross, but he was heavily involved in real estate and buying homes down in Jacksonville and fixing them up and renting them out, doing that, all that kinds of uh, that kind of thing. And, you know, he became an entrepreneur and through that process, he realized that he, there was a major disconnect with most busy people, entrepreneurs or not. And from what their, their lives are and their careers and their businesses and their families. So Jim developed this concept of the family board meeting and it became something that has really taken off and it's a, has a life of its own. Now he even wrote a book on it called the family board meeting. Um, and in this chat, we kind of just talk about his thoughts on life. Um, how a busy real estate guy makes a realization that maybe you need to spend a little bit more time with your family in the process that we we went through just an all round great individual with a huge heart. We are thrilled that he was, uh, able to take the time and chat with us. Uh, we, you know, we don't see him often. Nick actually knows him a little bit better than I do, but, um, he's one of those guys that's like an instant friend as soon as you meet him and we consider him a very close friend. So, um, he'll give out some URLs in the, uh, during the podcast. If you want to kind of uh, follow what he's up to, um, he's right in the middle of releasing a brand new, uh, new book as well. Um, and we'll repeat some of the URLs kind of on at the end of the podcast as well. So, um, before we get started, I just want to mention that if you are listening to this and you want some Canadian-specific real estate information, um, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's the website where you can go to see a summary of what we run here as part of the membership called the Rockstar Inner Circle. So if you go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member, you will see a summary of the Rockstar Inner Circle membership and all the things we offer here and how we work with hundreds of uh, real estate investors. At this point, we've uh, we've completed over a billion dollars of investment real estate with real estate investors where we've helped real estate investors purchase these properties. So we have a ton of experience at this point. Um, we're really proud of this membership. If you want to uh, check out all the things that we do, the classes and the newsletter and the bigger events throughout the year that we hold, you can see all of those benefits at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. And with that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, there we go. I pressed the magic button and we're now recording. So for anyone just jumping on board, we got myself, Nick here, Tom's with us, and um, our friend Jim Shields, who is who we're less jealous of this time of year um, since it's <laughs> sunny in Toronto, but you're, you're down in, where are you? You're in Jacksonville right now, right? St. Augustine, yeah. St. Augustine, sorry, yeah. Okay, but you're in Florida. You're in Florida mm -hmm. enjoying the warmth and the surf. Were you surfing this morning, Jim? There was no waves this morning, so I I opted out. All right. Yes, this week, last weekend. Actually, how much uh, are yeah. you surfing now? Are you still surfing a lot? Yeah, a couple days a week. Okay. A couple days a week in the water. I, you know, it's been – I still get out a couple days a week. That's always my goal, and I'm happy with that because right now with a one-year-old and a three-year-old, uh, that's that's good. Uh, and they, go, they like to get in the water with me. I don't consider that actually – 
surfing because you uh, you got one monkey on one shoulder, one under an arm, and you, you know how it goes. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, I can't even imagine because you have um, four kids now. Four, yeah, yeah. so I'm crazy. Yeah. I am insane. And aged, aged from uh, one and a Ma- half to fourteen. To fourteen, okay, because Mag- Maggie's the youngest, right? Uh, Sammy's the youngest, then Maggie's then three. Maggie, sorry, then, okay. Then I- the the gap between the boys, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I mean, look, we know each other through real estate was, I guess, the first kind of introduction. Um, We know each other through a lot more than that now. But I guess... We actually met on stage, and that sounds pretty weird, but me, you, and uh, we were all on stage together uh, at at an event years ago, if I remember right. That's how we met. You do, yeah. It was a great... On a panel. Greg Habstrad event. I remember we got yep. invited out of there out of the blue and we're like, I guess we'll go and see kind of what happens. Um, met you guys. Didn't really know, like didn't really circle back and touch base with you guys in any serious way. I mean, we had mutual friends that kind of said we should always connect. And then it was at another conference when you approached me by this time, you had long hippie hair. So I didn't rec, I didn't even recognize you and you're like, Nick. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I, I, I'm guessing by the way you're saying that I should know you. I apologize for not. But then when you said who you were, then you're like, it's Jim. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, I I know you just, you, the hair man threw me for a loop. It, It was like a lot different than the last time. So well, it's, it's a little shorter now. And you believe that I, I Facebook Tom right away and say, your brother just big leagued me at this event. And I, you know, Tom stuck up for me. I appreciate that, Tom. Thank you very much. <laughs> and what were you talking about in Calgary? What, what You were talking about flipping homes in Florida or something. What was that talk? What were uh, you what? guys talking? I think I'm it was about to... flipping home. Or no, you were buying rental properties in Jacksonville. Yeah, that is, that's around the time. I think that was 09 when we met. So that was a really lucrative time for doing uh, foreclosed homes. So the REO, you know, REO just means real estate owned, bank owned properties, man, they were coming out in droves and the return on investments and the numbers were phenomenal. Um, and so that was our main focus at that time, buying distressed single family homes, renovating them and either keeping them for ourselves or working with networks of investors looking to get into the Jacksonville market. So that was, that was a really heavy, um, acquisition time for us for sure 09 was super busy and just so toronto investors can get super jealous of you what were you buying properties for i don't even want to hear because i know <laughs> it, i know but well, what was it can you give us an idea it was about the same price of a, a cemetery plot in calgary i can tell you that so um 30 dollars uh were the houses now these needed work you know the the what we bought the house for might have been what we had to put into it as well, but still, those are pretty good returns. Uh, we were buying below uh, what things were selling for in like 1981. So you know the the, the run up that occurred here between 1990, really 1999, 2000 uh, to 2005. Um, but we were prices so overcorrected, and the banks got stuck with all that bad debt that they were literally selling homes for what they had sold for. Uh, in 1978, 1981, I remember looking back and going, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Um, and it's that, that kind of be, uh, be greedy when others are fearful, Warren Buffett. So we, we kind of emptied up and, and got some people to really get behind us and, and we're able to do a pretty, pretty good volume. Uh, and I, I'll, Nick, I'll stop. I just want to ask one last question. What are those same properties worth today? I don't even want to hear this answer now, but what are they <laughs> worth today? Um, they'd be worth almost double. So if we, Bought it for forty and and put forty into it. It's probably worth one forty now. 
So almost doubled in yeah, value. Good for you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry, Nick. I'll, uh, I'll stop hijacking here. No, it's, it's no problem. I just thought what was cool, I guess, about meeting you guys, so full-time investors doing all this stuff with real estate investing. And a lot of people, just the way they position it, maybe it's, you know, it's something different. You guys were always guys that, that used it as a, you know, like a means to an end. You weren't like, you know, real estate's the only thing. It's the best thing. It's, there's nothing but real estate. It's, you know, you know, real estate, real estate, real estate, flipping properties is the only way to go. You guys were always a little bit more, um, I don't want to say level-headed, but just more, I think, well-rounded with it where you're like, yeah, yeah, we're doing this. It's going really well. You, you know, you had some other previous experience in California, but, but for both of you guys, it was ultimately, I think one of the reasons you got into real estate, correct me if I'm wrong, was more about like a lifestyle decision because of it, because you felt that it gave you a little bit of freedom and flexibility while still able to earn an income to support families and stuff, right? Yeah, for the most part. I just, I think that I really looked around. I got that entrepreneurial bug when I went into corporate America and I, I just, I couldn't stand it. You know, I was sitting in that cubicle and I couldn't stand it. And I started to research every business under the sun and I kept coming back to real estate investing and it made sense to me. I mean, I grew up in North Jersey, just west of Wall Street and that never made, I didn't like it. I didn't like the feel of it. I, I was more of a tangible guy. So when I first started studying up on real estate investing, it really took to me and, and plus I, in all fairness, I wanted, I wanted to create wealth. I did. I could, I wanted to have certain things that I could do in a lifestyle, like you said. And I just remember reading a very simple quote that seven out of 10 millionaires made their money in real estate, at least at that time. Uh, so that, that all kind of took together. And what I've learned over the years and kind of like you, the three of us have had some, some bigger conversations around this and it's, I'm not very passionate about real estate, but I'm, I'm extremely passionate of what it's provided for me. And so that's, like you said, it's kind of a means to an end. I, I, I not, I can't say that many deals excite me anymore. Some, uh, but, but what it provides, I've never lost sight of that. And I have just such a immense respect and appreciation for real estate investing because it, it, it took me from, you know, almost, I guess, almost near poverty to abundance. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's cool. It's a different approach because a lot of people when they start, they're just like, you know, I mean, not anymore, but there used to be Donald Trump references. Um, you know, they, I just want to be Donald Trump. And I don't think anyone's kind of like actively, you know, screaming that from the rooftops anymore or, or as many people as, as used to. But they, they just <laughs> look at it as like, you know, I just want to make a million bucks, you know, and that's that's why. And there's there's maybe maybe a little bit less thought put into it and they dive right in. And I guess there's a good side and a bad side to that, you know, e e either way. But Yeah, um, I think. I think in the meltdown too, Nick, that a lot of those, there are always those courses, uh, how to make a million dollars in 90 days or less in real estate investing, how to make a million dollars in real estate investing in 90 days or less. It was yeah. always in 90 days or less. No saying, money, no, no money, no credit, no effort, no, <laughs> no, effort. no anything. I like, <laughs> those have kind of gone away, I think, because especially here in the States, there was definitely a cleanse uh, after the meltdowns where you know, you, you had to do some work, you had to take some risk, you were, you, the media was screaming at you, are you crazy? You had to do, you had to be contrarian. Uh, so, so a lot of that, that, that type of fluff went away and, and it, it, it left in the ring only a lot of real players, at least for those first few years. After the meltdown was in 08, you know, 09, 10, um, th those were, were very um, interesting years because so many players had left the game. And you're kind of looking around saying, wait a minute, 
is that the old, are those really? It, it was, it was interesting. It was interesting to live through. I'm not saying I want to live through it again, but the rebound was very interesting. Yeah. Cool. So you guys have, you've, uh, so, you know, we, we touched on that, but, but your ultimate focus now, I mean, you're still doing real estate stuff. I know that, but, but your kind of shifted focuses onto something else that you're pretty, you're pretty big on. Um, do you want to share a little bit about that just to give everyone kind of a heads up? Cause I think it's a pretty interesting topic that I know, I think there's like a growing trend around it, or at least more people are thinking about this type of thing and it's becoming just more, you know, just, I guess a growing concern in, in a lot of circles that I kind of, I hang out in at least. Yeah. I, I, my main focus now, again, real estate investments is still a big part of my life, but I started a company called Family Board Meetings and have since renamed it 18 Summers. And what I had found, especially, you know, meeting you guys at events and different things, getting into it at a young age, I saw people who were successful with their investments and they were failures at home. And that really scared me. And that's kind of how I fell backwards into the work that we do and some stories I'll probably share about, you know, my own family. I just, I think it's so important to be successful on, on the business side, but it's just as important to be successful at home. And I think what what I've kind of come to be known as is like crazy glue for entrepreneur families. I've just figured out some simple rhythms and practices that can help people better ensure that. And there's there's no reason, you know, contrary to some of the, the again, fluff out there, that you have to work hard and run so hard up that entrepreneurial mountain that when you finally stop and look around, you know, your family's gone or at even worse case, which I see a lot, is they basically view you as a stranger. So I'm trying to help with that rebalancing of keeping success at home while you're successful in business. So Jim, sorry, Nick, I got to jump in here. So Jim, what are the like, what are the mistakes that people make? And I'm asking you because I just want to make sure I'm not making them. <laughs> so like, what are some <laughs> of the things that you're seeing people make? Is it just time away from the families because they're so focused on building their business or you know whatever they're building? This because this could apply to people with careers in a, a typical nine to five world. I know your focus is like entrepreneurs, Absolutely. but yeah, what, what are the mistakes? It's just time away from the family. Yeah, those are, that's a great question, Tom. So let me, let me tell you a, a few things that it is. One of the things is, is priority. And what I've found is the thing that has kept me quote unquote honest in this area, at least to the best of my abilities. And I've done pretty well with this is I decided a long time ago that my most important investors and clients were my family. And because I have an entrepreneurial mindset, I can't fight it. You know, I do get, I am driven. I do, I do get career minded, but there is no more important investor, client, key team member within my business than my children and my wife. And when I started to see it through that framework, there was a healthy elevation to really how important they were. And, and that kept me honest. Um, and so I keep keeping it a priority of saying, you would never treat your biggest client or investor like that. And that might sound shallow at first, but it's really not, especially when you get driven. You're saying, well, I'm doing it for my family. I get it. But you want to make sure that you hold them in the most highest regards in all areas. And that's that simple thing helped me do it. So kind of reseeing that priority. Another thing that I so found, Jim, sorry, Jim, Jim, oh, before go you go to the next thing, I yeah. want I'm just curious on specifics because I've definitely been at that place that you just mentioned and had to self-correct. Um, what were you doing? Were you short with your wife? Were you like because I found there was a period when Nick and I were building Rockstar where I think it was probably a two year period where I'm not sure if I was exactly fair to 
my family and my kids because in my priority or my value system, I was building this business for my family. So I always, yeah, I always thought, okay, I'm going to do this. And if I'm not with you this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, that's why, because I'm doing this for you. And that's how I justified it in my own mind. And I was exhausted. And sometimes I'd be short with, uh, with my wife definitely. And I wasn't, I don't think looking back on some of that time, I was exactly fair to her. I don't think I was like, I'm not trying to say I was abusive by any means. I just mean it wasn't right by my own standards. And I've, I've, I've since corrected, but is that which, is that what you went through as well? I'm curious. Yes, I, I absolutely did. Absolutely did. And, and there's three questions that I was taught a long time ago to kind of be a, like a self-test for anyone out there. And um, I think I'm trying to remember who taught this to me. I think it was Dr. Shafali, who I did a, a family retreat with. And she's been on Oprah, really cool lady, and had three simple questions. And it was, are you present? Are you patient? Are you playful? And when you look at that in regards with your wife, your kids, you know, there were a lot of times, Tom, I was definitely not present. They'd be talking to you and you'd hear like Charlie Brown's teachers, walk, 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 because you're working a deal in your head while someone's trying to talk to you. Your kids are trying to show you a picture and the same thing. You're, you're just, you're not present. And then patience, I think that's the one we all struggle with the most. Like we all allude to, it is, it is never the proudest moment where we feel like we've been short on patience at home with our wife or our kids. And it's really not them. It was something that we were working through a difficulty in the business. And, and so I had to answer that honestly, like, no, I'm not patient. And then playful. I mean, one of the reasons we all get into entrepreneurship or we build any career, like you were saying, is we wanted to create certain freedoms. And one of those freedoms was saying, I'm not going to be like one of those, you know, just dull parents that has no fun. I'm going to be the, the, the fun parent, the fun uncle that does things with them and out in the backyard playing and doing these adventures. And there were times I could see where I was saying, no, no, you know, I can't go on the trampoline with you guys or, well, you guys go over to the beach. I'm just going to finish these emails. And it, it got me thinking like, wait a minute. And those three questions, I mean, you, you ask it to yourself, am I present? Am I patient? Am I playful? And usually we're all, you know, having to work in one area stronger than the other or all three, like I did. Uh, but that can really, Tom, put you in the position of, being brutally honest with yourself. And once you're brutally honest, then you can make the corrections. Yeah, I know, like, I know myself, I'm better now, but before with my kids, I would often be, you know, you're on your phone and you're doing something and you're there and you think you're there, you're at the park, but you're responding to two emails or three text messages while you're, even if you're pushing your your daughter on the swing, they notice that stuff. You know what I mean? It makes it, it makes a difference. And then now, ever since I became more conscious of it, I notice it in myself more. Um, and I, I just, I try to make a mental note. I mean, look, I'm not perfect at anything, but I do try to make a, a mental note of it because we're all running around. Some of us are wired to get stuff done and we're, we just, we're running around feeling like every little thing needs to be done now. And we get this yeah. little high. I, there's like, you know, there's all sorts of brain chemicals that, that get triggered. I know for myself, when I get to cross something off my list, like I feel like I accomplished it, even if it's a meaningless little thing, like an email or like responding to someone, I feel good because I feel like I've accomplished something when I'm like, what the heck? You know, so now I'm realizing like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about accomplishing the littlest thing and I'm not focusing on the big stuff, whether it's even big tasks of work or, or projects I'm working on or family stuff, which is, which is more important. I know someone said it to me once and maybe it was you or someone else, but they said, look, 
all day, you know, you wake up in the morning, often you go all day to work or to your business, or you're working on whatever, then, you know, you go home, you're already, sometimes you, you go out after, maybe you go to the gym or you take care of something, you do some errands, you get home and you're tired and you just kind of, so your family just gets whatever's left over at the end of the day. Yeah. And they typically yeah. get like the worst part of you. And I'm like, man, that kind of, that kind of hit. I don't like it when people say it to me like that. I'm like that kind of sucks. That was mean to you. But, um, but it was right, you know, so I think it's that, that type of thing that kind of hit home with me. I know now when my kids say to me, they're like, you know, if they catch me, they're like, daddy, look, look. I'm like, okay. And they're like, daddy, put your phone away. I'm like, if, if they say that to me, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I even have it out. What's, you know, it's like a, a mental check on myself that I got to make sure not to do that again. You know, I try exactly. to go out of my way. Yeah. And it's not about perfection, but it's about progress. And the thing that I've found with, again, falling backwards into this work about seven years ago it comes down to some very simple principles. And what I've learned with with wanting to avoid all these things, wanting to be more patient, more present, more playful, is the, the secret, you know, for lack of a better term, is truly just rhythmize your life around your greatest priorities and relationships. That's it. When I when I went to mentors, because I didn't want to just go to mentors who who had a big balance sheet but were jerks, divorced three times, didn't talk to their kids – I wanted guys that had that success in business and success at home. And what I found is the, the most successful in both areas, they had set very clear, powerful rhythms around their family. And once you do that, once you rhythmize, that gives priority. That takes you out of those moments where you feel like you're always on your phone or you're not being consistent, which can be you know harder for especially fire red entrepreneurs. But if you can set, and not, not robotic, not, not to set 47 rhythms in your life where you, you feel almost you know, trapped by them, but a few that actually will give you freedom. But when you I'll say rhythms, what do you mean? You, you mean, the, like, are you talking about your, your kind of quarterly or, or however often you want to do it, like board meetings? Or are you talking about other stuff as well? I'm talking about other stuff as well. So the family board meeting, which I'm sure we'll talk about the book that's coming out. Well, why don't you, um, expl- why don't you explain it now to give everyone a heads up? Because... It is family board meetings, right? The, 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 what, hold on. The name of the company is now 18 Summers? Yeah, we decided that, again, the strategy itself, again, as you know, we offer lots of different frameworks and, and rhythms to help family life simplify and deepen. Uh, but our most famous one is the family board meeting strategy, uh, which we'll talk about today. And that's literally, again, uh, I have an important meeting with each one of my children every 90 days, uh, and that they are my, by far my most important investor client and, and key team member in my life, So along with my wife. So we'll talk about that today. But with, with rhythms, Nick, th- there's a few powerful ones that I set in my life that keep me honest to my, str- my deepest values. So for example, without fail, every Wednesday night, my wife and I have date night. My phone is not invited. Our kids are not invited. Like that is our time to keep dating, to have the conversation. And now we do what's something called date night with a question. So we go out, we, we, we pick our date. We, we always plan some, usually a fun dinner in St. Augustine or something. And Nick, you've been down here, you know, great town to, to walk around and different things. Have, have a, a nice meal. And then we'll ask each other one powerful question that we'll pick out before. So date night with a question, some powerful question to get the conversation going even more. That's one of my favorite rhythms. The board meeting rhythm I'm going to talk about today, that's one of my favorite. Uh, weekly meeting, where I try to sit down with our family um, once, once a week. And back when I was traveling a lot more, that was a really important part. 
because when, when I found out what was one of the things that my sons were most unhappy about for me or had to work on is they said they felt blindsided, that they'd wake up one morning and I'd be gone already to the airport. And we said, well, we, we told you that I, was, I, was, I had to go away for two days. And no, well, you know, we were running around the front yard. Maybe we didn't hear you. And that was a big thing. So there's certain powerful rhythms like our, we do. We have a certain daily rhythm in our family, a real simple one. Um, I have weekly date night with my wife, you know, usually weekly uh, family meeting with just the family of just saying, here's what's going on. Here's highlights. Here's what's coming up next week. And then our quarterly board meetings. I do a, usually a quarterly overnight with my wife, uh, with us just away, and then also a quarterly board meeting with each one of my kids. But yeah. when you set these pillars in, it really does stabilize everything. Yeah, but so for the person that says to you, they're like, well, look, I'm busy. Like, I, I have these other priorities. How do you fit it, fit it in? So you're booking these things out. You're putting it in your calendar, and come hell or high water, you're not letting anything move them. I mean, it's the only way to get not, it done, I'm guessing. Nothing moves them. Nothing. nothing. Yeah, exactly, because they, they have to be immovable. You know, you have to have, I think, rhythm set to yourself. So if I'm going again to the beach in the morning uh, to surf or to work out, that's slated for me. And I need to keep that. That's an important investor meeting, like the most important investor. Because if I get sick, everyone's in trouble. Um, and same thing with my family. It's an immovable meeting um, that I, is set in stone and I'm not changing it. And I found that when I feel the most grounded, the most successful, the most connected at home, it's when we're keeping our rhythms. And when I find the most off track, it's when we've started to slip on the rhythms. And I really, uh, for the last few years, I don't think it's been very, very rare we ever miss a date night. And in seven years, I've never missed a quarterly board meeting with my kids, ever. Um, and that's not to say, there's lots of other things I mess up on. But what I found is, is those, keeping those rhythms really do give me certain freedoms. Uh, and certain things where, when I, when I interviewed entrepreneurs and said, what do you normally feel when this happens, this happens, I mean, unbelievably it came back we always feel guilty and depressed like they're not connected at home and by setting those few rhythms in their life it's it's a total game changer mm -hmm. absolute game changer hey jim I'm, I'm curious you said something really key there you said if i don't take care of myself everyone else suffers what's your uh, what's your daily rhythm i'm curious like do you get up every day and go to the beach and surf and work out or like do you have some gym time I don't mean Jim time. That's funny. Your name's Jim. See yes. Kind of funny, do you see yeah, what kind of funny person? See how I am naturally a comedian? Uh, it's a, it's a funny brother. We got to, we got to, it's, it's going to be able to put it into the show. Oh, um, but do you naturally have some fitness time every morning or yeah, I'm just curious your daily rhythm and, and it's really important. Uh, I think just for, I, I'm, I'm curious actually. So I, I'm just curious how that works for you. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's once in a while times where if there's there's a big deadline or certain travel that there won't be. But for the majority of the time, yeah, there's a simple rhythm of getting up. Uh, I just have a, a very simple rhythm of just naming some blessings out loud with my wife in bed before I get up. And then it's really just uh, almost like, you know, you've heard of the miracle morning, like my own miracle morning where I where I do a certain meditation, light affirmations, and they're not as crazy as everyone thinks. And then I'll walk over to the beach, check the surf, and, and I'll usually either get out in the water or go to the gym. Um, so, And the gym might come an hour later after I come home. The kids get up. I like to spend time with them, and then I go. Uh, but there's definitely times that I need to be by myself um, because I just need that. Meditation has become a really important thing for me. I took Transcendental Meditation years ago, TM, 
very simple, especially for an ADD person like me, I, I needed to be. But that simple morning rhythm is, is super important, Tom, because I think it, it sets the day in, in the right direction. I, I, you said something there about, you know, affirmations and stuff. I just pulled out a journal. I don't know why I kept this. This journal is probably from 2000 and, oh, I have the date. It's, it's from 2006 and I have the, it's, it's one of those leather bound journals with like the gold leaf edged pages. And uh -huh. I ha I used to write out this sounds, this is embarrassing, but anyway, I used to write out avalanches of wealth and abundance flow into my life. And I have pages of this gym. Oh, yeah. pages and pages that I don't know where I read to do stuff like that. Um, and then listen to this. This is even maybe more embarrassing. I guess we were trying to fill a property for a tenant back then. Cause I have this tenants. Oh no, an investor. I have this investor's last name and then it says, I won't read their last name, but it says their last names. New house will close with ease on Thursday. I must've been having financing problems. Um, <laughs> so, and I have this line written over and over again in my book. So just to hear you say like, it's not as cheesy as you might think. I just want you to know there's other cheesy people out here. Good. Well, so and you that, know yeah. <laughs> I think that again, personal development, which, which is what we're kind of at the root of. And I think is so important for everyone, especially kids. It, 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 it kind of got a bad stick to it where everyone thought it was like a late night infomercial scam and nothing could be further from the truth and things like that they go a long way and when when i hear about oh i'm so embarrassed to say this but i have this notebook i mean <laughs> if i if i had a dollar for every time someone said that tom you're absolutely true and you, you know it's kind of interesting that you said that i used to especially when i first started the real estate business 19 years ago and you guys know what it's like when you start a business it's like drinking out of a fire hydrant uh you know you're just you're overwhelmed half the time and i remember what i would do and I forget who taught me to do it, but I would actually write out what the big problem was that I was dealing with. And something funny, I remember coming across one of these notebooks from, I mean, this is back from Bakersfield, California, about 17 years ago. And I came across it like last year and I'm, I'm opening it. And can I tell you that I laughed at the problems going, really, that's a problem that's so easy to solve. It's like, that's that, you know, it, <laughs> it, it, it was a molehill compared to a mountain, you know, a molehill now compared to the mountain back then. So it was kind of cool to see how your muscles and your problem solving going through. And it, it gave me a self-reflection with, you know, I know you guys are, are expanding your business. There's new things I'm doing. We still have those growing pains. And I've been able to say to myself and say, hold on, what will the, you know, I'm 44, what will this 64-year-old Jim be saying about this problem right now? Um, you know, keep that in mind. And that, that's really helped me kind of ease through certain things. But again, that comes from those crazy, quirky things of morning time where, gosh, I had this notebook and I wrote these things down and this down and, and here's what happened. So be a little more weird is what I encourage people. <laughs> One of the things that always hit home with me is, is when you say 18 summers, which is, I know the name of the company, not the book. Um, but that, that message of 18 summers always kind of freaks me out in a good way. So I know this past year we were planning on going to, uh, Disney with the family. We were going to take the kids to, to see Mickey mouse and, and do, uh, do the whole Disney thing. Oh which yeah. It wasn't as painful as I thought it was going to be. I, I, I guess I had prepared myself well, but, um, <laughs> but we had, we had a lot of fun. And I remember right before Christmas, I was like, you know what? Um, I'm like, ah, oh, that, that's, that was pushed out a little bit. It'd be nice to go away another time. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to, let's, I'm going to book another trip. I surprised the family with a trip on uh, Christmas morning with a, a trip to Mexico. So we went down to Mexico for a week 
with the family as well. And the catalyst for that was, it was a little bit of an early winter, so that started it. And I just, I remembered this message of I have 18 summers. But um, at the same time, I was like, well, I have 18 winters too with my kids. And I know the whole message that you, you know, you were talking about was 18 before they're grown up and they're kind of off doing their own thing. They're still around, but they're off doing, often doing their own thing. I'm like, man, I only have 18. My daughter, um, my older daughter right now is seven. So I was like, man, there's 11 left. I'm like, yeah, if I, how many more times am I going to go on this trip with her? It's totally worth it. Let's, let's go. And I, I booked this trip. So I think just kind of understanding, I think we get sometimes, I know I was really bad at getting so caught up in what I had to do. I'm, I'm not really a good person for focusing so much on the future. I'm really good at attacking what's in front of me now. Yeah. And before you know it, sometimes now is, you know, longer than you thought it was. And there's no more now left. Right. So, exactly. yeah. So that was, that's kind of cool. I know that's kind of hit home with me a, a few times and it's caused me to, to probably do things a little bit differently. So, um, yeah. so it's every, helpful. every, Oh, good. I I mean, that means the world. I know you and I have had lots of conversations on family, but everything I try to do, especially with like the board meeting strategy and all the things we do within the 18 Summers Company is just provide simple frameworks and rhythms that work. And all 18 Summers does, I was like, that encompasses who we are because it, it creates a simple math equation in your head instantly. And the faces of those kids you love the most come come to you and it, it, it creates that healthy sense of urgency. And I told you, it was a mentor of mine that taught me that years ago when I was first getting more into speaking and sharing these messages in my story. He said, and he was 75 years old, fit as an ox, but 75 years old and said, Jim, you are on to something because just remember this. If you don't hear anything else today, just remember this. You got 18 summers. Okay. Do, do you hear me? I, w- I want you to think about that. You got 18 summers. And of course, they're going to be your kids after 18 summers. My daughters are my daughters still, and I love them. But I'm just telling you, Jim, it's different. So grab hold of those. And now, like you said, Nick, really, it's just saying, okay, 18 summers, because summer has that really fun feel. It, I mean, it's even warm in Toronto, you know, so <laughs> everyone's outside. But but then it starts to think, well, the simple thing, like, yeah, well, I got 18 uh, winters. I got 18 falls. I, and, and, and when you start to do that simple math, oh, she's only seven. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. 18 minus 7, 11 left? That, that's, not, that's not as many as I thought. So all we're trying to do is create some, some healthy urgency. Well, I, and st- I just want, I hope she wants to hang out with me after she's 13. I mean, it, you know, at seven, <laughs> I think it's getting iffy. So my, my summers might be down from, from 18. They might be down a few years. Well, let me give you a rhythm that might help with that. Should we talk about the board meeting strategy? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That- absolutely. Share that with everyone because it's, 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 uh, I'm a fan for sure. Excellent. Okay, so again, set rhythms around your highest priorities. When, when you're going into business, a lot of people would have board meetings, right? Or, or the big companies would have board meetings where the, every 90 days they would have a big company meeting and what would happen is the, the goal was to um, reunite the team and then look ahead to the next 90 days. That's all I try to do with my kids. Every 90 days I have an important meeting with each one of them. And it's four hours, at least four hours uninterrupted and there's only three guiding principles, and I'll go through them, and, and they really do tie together to make the best results. So every 90 days, I have an, a meeting with each one of my children, and it's one-on-one, without electronics, and a fun activity of their choice with focused reflection. And I can go into it. And this simple rhythm now, where it's, it's kind of gotten me a little bit of an underground popularity, 
has been so simple, so easy to put into practice and then continue to do consistently. I mean, I have clients now five, six years that have been doing it and they've said it's the most powerful rhythm for getting below the surface with their kids, especially teens, that they've ever had. And probably the most powerful way to to start this, and and you guys already know this story, but uh, is is my own story. And that's why I ended up sharing this. It's nothing I thought I'd ever be on a podcast sharing or definitely not on stage sharing. You know, but many years ago I met the love of my wife, Jamie, who you guys have met. And when I when I won her heart, I had the chance to win the heart of two beautiful little boys uh, because she was um, divorced with full custody uh, of Alden and Leland. And the boys and I hit it off famously right away. Uh, but with that said, they still had some major trust issues, some things that happened before I was around outside of my wife's hands, outside of my hands, and it created some trust issues. And uh, it was especially hardest on my oldest son, Alden. And when I first came into Alden's life at the age of seven, they were seven and five, uh, Alden was a terrible student, uh, close to failing. Uh, he had just been put on the spectrum, and I hate that word. He had put, been put on the spectrum at school uh, for autism, uh, and he suffered every night from something called night terrors. And if you don't know what night terrors are, you're very lucky, because it's when your child wakes up in a half-conscious state, absolutely terrified, screaming, and it can take two to three hours to get them back to sleep. My daughter had those uh, for a while, not for that long. She would be for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And, uh, yeah, it was freaky. It was, it was kind of like she woke up possessed by something like yeah. it was it, it, well, at first before we, we had experience before it was, it, it can freak you out for sure. Oh, big time, big time. And, and again, I'm kind of, uh, and I guess being a real estate investor, I had to be right. It's, uh, I, I'm kind of, uh, uh, an optimist in certain things, a realist, but an optimist. And I knew these things can change. I knew the power of quality time. I knew that there were, there were ways to overcome this. And although there were certain things that we did with Alden, I want to make sure sometimes those things are, are come into play and are important, but the results we ended up getting with Alden, we did without therapy and we did without medication. That's not what Alden needed. Uh, but one of the most powerful things reflecting back on the growth he had were these simple board meetings that we had every 90 days. And we tracked back the breakthroughs and the conversations we had within that first year of him and I being together that made all the difference. And as you guys know, but probably not everyone listening knows, within one year of doing these board meetings together, uh, Alden went from failing to becoming the most improved student of the third grade. He got this award. He was absolutely beaming. Um, the, the diagnosis of autism was retracted. Uh, they admitted it was a mistake, and that's extremely rare. I knew it wasn't autism. I knew it was stress-related of things that had happened earlier, and we just had to work through them. Uh, and probably the most rewarding for me, and I would have given my entire real estate portfolio for these results, within one year, the, uh, the night terrors were completely gone. And that showed me the power of rhythms. Uh, it showed me the, the, the power of giving focused quality time consistently to the people that I love. And I never thought I'd share that. I mean, you guys probably remember, I mean, the first few years that I gave this talk on stage, I'd cry in front of 500 people because it was that important to me. But now I've started to be able to harness that and say, okay, if you think that story is incredible, create your own story. Because I've heard of so many divorced dads who might be a, a little distant from their kids or even dads who have had health problems uh, that might not even see 18 summers with their kids uh, have, have really the defining moments 
by setting the stage for connection using that simple strategy. And I can go into how that works, but again, every 90 days without fail, I'm one-on-one without my phone or any electronics doing a fun activity of their choice. They plan the day. And at the end of the day, we just spend some time to talk. And they're more open to talking using this formula because you've gone through decompression, you've set the day, you've set the tone, and it's just a natural progression to be able to have open communication where normally, especially teens, never would talk, never. But I haven't had that problem so far with the boys. I mean, they think my jokes are horrible, terrible, of course. Um, <laughs> I do too, for the record. I, <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I like them. I laugh at my own jokes. So. You, and Tom, but, you and Tom should hang out a lot because it would be I great. Think, he would tell a joke and laugh at his. You could tell a joke and laugh at yours. It would be, it would be great to it watch. It would all work out. It would all work out. I'm sure Tom's teens think the same of him. But with, with that said, the boys have been able to have conversations with me that I never would have had with my dad, ever. Uh, And that means a lot. So I'm kind of playing that long game where I set this consistent rhythm into place every 90 days, one-on-one, at least four hours uninterrupted, no phones, no electronics, no texts getting in the middle of us, fun activity of their choice, time to talk at the end. Yeah, but so what do you... What do you do? Like, don't your kids ever be like, "Oh, yeah, okay, we gotta go, gotta go hang out with dad again," and like, and roll their eyes when they do it? Like, there's none of that sometimes where it's like they, they you know, there's this. They don't have this preference to go be hanging out with their kids down the street or, or you know, doing whatever you guys do in Florida, wrestling alligators or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the answer is no, and I'll tell you why. Because that which we help create, we, we buy into. So the buy-in is they create the day. The problem with those parents is we think we know exactly what they're interested in and exactly what they want to do. So, so for example, like let's say that that you guys are big Blue Jays fans, uh, but uh, and 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 Nick, your seven year old daughter could give you know a rat's ass about baseball, but you say okay, for your board meeting, I'm going to drag you to a Blue Jays game, sit you here nine innings, and then at the end of the day, give myself a little punch to the arm and say, isn't it great we bonded? Not that that's a bad thing. But you're, you're not really harnessing the power of quality time by if you let her design the day, if you let it pick. And it might be something like Disney characters, like you said, but if you give that ownership, they have buy-in. Plus, you're going to start to learn what they're passionate about. I mean, like my oldest son is so passionate about fishing right now, you know, and I've been taught one of the best things as parent teachers for our kids, find out what they're passionate about, dump gasoline on it and set it on fire. Every time we have a board meeting, I'm getting an unveiling of what are they really passionate about. Right now, my son is extremely passionate about fishing. So we set different fishing things either out on the pier or maybe we go out on a little charter boat to do that. But it sets the stage to be in an environment he really enjoys. So he's naturally going to feel happier, closer, and more willing to open up. And there's an interesting study starting to be done. I think it was Daniel Pink. I'm trying to remember who it was uh, about how do you really create memories? you know, that last. And one of the things is you have to really set the stage for them. And this sets the stage doing it long enough now for five, well, seven years now, um, every year at the end of the year, when we do our, you know, reflection on highlights of the year without me poking or, you know, slipping the boys $20 to say it to Jamie, they say, I really like the board meeting where we did this. I really like the board meeting. It doesn't matter what you call it. Some people call it daddy day or one-on-one time or, you know, play date, whatever you want to call it, um, doesn't matter, but it really does set the stage for that yearbooking of your relationship from, you know, now until when they leave the house. You know what you, um, have you heard of the book, the power of moments? You must have. 
that might be, who's the author of that? It's Dan and I think it's two brothers, Chip and Dan Heath. Yes. I spoke, I, I was at uh, an event with them in Washington, D.C., the Cadre event. That was them. I was confusing Daniel Pink. So I saw him speak and we talked back and forth about their science behind exactly moment makers and our simple board meeting strategy. And so many of the fundamentals of what they teach to do that are in that simple recipe that I've given everyone today. Yeah, you're right. And that's why that's why when you were saying that it kind of hit home because that's something that we've tried to focus on within a few different areas here. And it just kind of it's another thing that sits in the back of both our heads um, a little bit is like the power of moments. And it's why we do certain things just like, I mean, we just Tom just booked, um, you know, the boat that we one of the boats that we charter, we, we kind of take like, I guess it's like a mini yacht type thing, some motorboat thing for our families when we go to Croatia to go to the mainland. We go for a couple of days, you know, we're spending a, a one night at the islands and we go island hopping and we stop at, you know, some islands where there's really, there's nothing on the island but like a restaurant. So you like jump off the boat, you swim in, you go up to this restaurant um, and you sit there, have a nice, you know, nice meal with all fresh food. And it's like, we've done it before, but it's something that like for our families and for our kids every year, they look forward to, they talk about it. We do a yeah. whole, a lot of other stuff during that, that, you know, those, those vacations, but they remember those certain moments, these key moments about the vacation, just like, and I guess it applies similar to the board meeting strategy is they remember those key moments that they had with you because because throughout the week or or the you know the month or whatever you know the, the period between those those board meetings you guys are doing other stuff oh of course but it's those those peaks that they remember around this stuff it, it it lines up really well for anyone that hasn't read that that might be listening to this or that's actually a really good uh really good book as absolutely. well about this type of stuff absolutely absolutely and and it, when you set rhythms that's what people say oh you do it every 90 days you don't hang out with your kids in between absolutely not i hang out with them on a daily basis but what i found when you have those moment makers these these powerful rhythms that take you below the surface the time in between each one of my board meetings is more genuine more uh, open uh, more fun you know you not that awful feeling like am i connecting or, you know am i a stranger to them all those things really start to go away by, by keeping these pillars, the time in between becomes even better. Um, you know, and it's funny, I mean, we've known, we've known each other for a long time now. I mean, it's almost a decade. I know some of your family rhythms. I know that if I need to get in touch with Nick and Tom in July, I need to make a long distance call to Croatia. Simple, plain and simple. You guys said, this is what we're doing. This is our history. This is where we're going. There's no chance that your kids will ever forget that. So that's an example of a powerful rhythm. Yeah, now you just- I want to have... give you guys something that I have. What's that? No, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I, and I don't want to interrupt you, but I was going to say now you just have to get me to figure out how my kids can appreciate that they get to go to Europe for a month every year. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that one out. Sometimes, just like um, just like when you buy a property and you got to wait for the the, the uh, market to keep appreciating and and that equity growth, I can tell you right now, and I'm sure Tom might be able to say the same thing because I know there's a, an age difference. That will start to grow. Um, I believe like you're setting a seed that might not be coming out right now, Nick, but I think it's going to come out. Yeah. It's, and a lot. So my son's 16 and the last couple of years, he says something that kind of like melts my heart. Um, every once in a while, when we talk about going over to Croatia and renting a boat, he'll just look at me and say, Hey, thank you, dad. You know, these are, these are really great trips. And just those words, the way he says them and looks at me when he says them is enough to make, 
everything worth it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I know he's being genuine. He's not just kind of saying it in passing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's made it all worth it. And now, uh, yeah, he's 16. I'm just, I just want to keep these rhythms going, like you're saying, you know? I know, uh, anyway. But uh, Jim, so Nick, I don't know if you were going to ask, but you, that was one that all of this discussion was so valuable because it was on point number one, the one-on-one, no electronics with focused reflection. Was there another two things? You said three things. Uh, Well, there's three steps to connection using that board meeting strategy. One-on-one is the one that like you want to talk about the most obvious of all things that is so underutilized is one-on-one. Get one-on-one with each member of your family. You got so it's to not, not, not with your wife. It's one-on-one you and yep. yeah, you okay. and your, your son or daughter, not, 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 no siblings, no best friends, none of your good friends. Literally you want to put the magnifying glass on the relationship like in a positive way. One-on-one time does that. Like if, 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 if you're the type of parent where, where your wife does most of the talking and communicating and you're the, the silent type, well, you're not going to be able to do that if it's one-on-one for at least four hours, just the two of you, which is a good thing. So you got to take that one-on-one time. And when you get one-on-one and you use principle two without electronics, and I could go on. Okay, got it, got it. I see. Yeah, that, okay. That's a magic because there's so many studies showing, look, technology is what's connecting us from Florida to Canada right now, but you got to disconnect to reconnect. And there's studies showing that you know, just the the element of human connection and relationship building is getting so broken up by being too available. You know, so if you're, you're with your 16 year old son or Nick, you're with your seven year old daughter and and you're, you're on a board meeting and all of a sudden you got a text or an email that pisses you off. Yeah, no, it ruins, it ruins you. Like it, it takes you out of the, I was going to say the moment now we're using that term a lot, but it just, it, it, it just changes your state. Right. And it's yes. not like it's a, it's not a 30 second thing. It's a, it's going to be a 30 minute thing. And then it's also oh, something yeah. that you want to address right away. It's like, Oh, you know what? Let me just take care of this. Right. And then it just throws the whole thing off because now they're no longer the priority. This becomes the priority. Right. Exactly. It just messes up the whole kind of flow of everything. And it feels weird at first. And we don't realize how, how available and connected we are both us and, you know, preteens and teens so to actually turn off all electronics, no iPad, no phone, no nothing. I mean, I'll have my phone on airplane mode to get one picture to commemorate the day, but you are disconnected and it could feel really weird for you and possibly your team. But let me tell you, it is so cleansing and you feel like so liberated that, you know, the world's not going to blow up your business within four hours of disconnecting to give this priority to your most important relationship. And by doing that, it's really, I call it a tech fast. It's very healthy and you start to do more of them and you find out, wow, I was so available that I wasn't available to what was right in front of me. So it's super important without electronics. You can look in the book. I go into studies. There was a guy from Harvard Medical School that actually gave me some really good research on this. And it's something I try to pride myself on where we're not a no tech in the family family here, but we definitely have some some tech fast periods and some limitations to make sure that we don't lose connection. Jim, what's your thoughts on uh, kids following their passion as they get older? Sometimes I struggle a little bit. Nick, I think it was that book that we read so good. They can't ignore you. Mm -hmm. I think it was that book. Cal Newport. I I have a feeling it was that book. 
what, you know, cause now that my son's getting to 16 and I can see him kind of having a tendency to lean towards more kind of business oriented things. And he's talking about marketing and buying and selling things. And he has done some of that. So he seems naturally inclined to be interested in some things that are going to make him money. But sometimes I wonder and say, what if his passion wasn't, uh, that, do I encourage just his passion of whatever it was, or do I have to push him in some way that's going to have some market relevance? You know, because I want the guy to make money and be able to be self-sufficient and self-reliant and that kind of thing. And sometimes I find I struggle with it because I, I do believe in following your your passion. But at the same time, I believe if I can if I can help someone find what their passion is and marry it to some purpose that has some like market relevance, they might be able to make money from it. And then they're going to kind of survive and, you know, be able to help other people. And I, I just find myself struggling with that whole concept. And I think about it a lot. Do you have yeah. any thoughts on that? Oh, man. I mean, and it's a big thing that goes on in the minds of so many of us. Uh, but I think there's there there's some some do's and some don'ts. But I think the best way I can explain it is, you know, are, are we pushing if we if we need to get a big boulder someplace, and we have the choice to either well you can you can get there you can get to point A by either pushing it over this hill or by pushing it down this hill and it'll wrap around and get to point A. Which one do you want to do? And there's no penalty. Well, most people say, well, I'm going to push it you know down the hill and it'll curve around and we'll roll it right down to point A. Why would I put it up that big hill? And it's almost the same with kids' passions. Uh, you know, my wife has run Montessori and Waldorf schools. I know Nick and I have talked about that, and it's a different way of learning where where instead of their whole thing was, you know, instead of where I went to school, you know, children, listen up and follow me. Their simple philosophy is follow the child. They'll tell you where they're going and what they're naturally instinctually good at. And let them go deep into that and they'll be even better. Um, there was a guy that I'm friends with, Dave Rendell, I've spoke with him, got a great program called The Freak Factor. And he tells this story about kids that are that are going to take a speed reading course. This is a really cool story. So they're taking a speed reading course. The first set of kids have a natural, uh, I'm sorry, the first set of kids struggle at reading. They can read, you know, not, they're below the reading speed for their age. I think they were like 10 years old. And then the second group is proficient readers. So the, the first group reads about 100 words a minute and they take a speed reading course and they get up to 300 words a minute so monster improvement good speed reading course and that sounds good but here's the kicker when the 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 other group that was already proficient and already showed signs of you know natural speed reading they were already at 300 words per minute when they took this speed reading course guess what they jumped to triple i don't know over really over 2,000 words per minute so when you when you look at that, now am I saying, oh, well, they weren't naturally good readers. Don't let them read. No, but we all have to develop a specialized skill. I'm not sure what that is, but if we take something where it's naturally almost going downhill because it's just it naturally we, we can accelerate our our genius in that area. We're doing our kids a service. You know, if you had to ask me to do your guys tech work or accounting oh my gosh, Rockstar Real Estate is going bankrupt. Now, I could have probably figured it out, but I would have been really struggling. That's not my natural tendency. That's not my natural genius. Uh, it, it goes into different areas. So I've found that the passion is important. 
And because if we really train them to go deep, I mean, a, a, a specialist always makes more than a generalist. So, but what is that passion? Can they specialize? And I mean, go really deep. Like I just went and took a, a speaking course and people are like, you already publicly speak all the time. You're, you're doing events now. Why would you go to a three-day event? I said, because this Dave Rendall story, I want to get that much better where I can go into the top one to 5%. And I have a better chance of doing that than if I went and took a bunch of accounting courses and tried to take over the accounting and CFOing of my business. I, that, that it would, I'd be going up the hill instead of around. So hopefully that makes sense. What, what I think is, and again, we, the three of us have had great talks on this. Whatever happens, Tom, with, with your 16-year-old son, he's going to start to uncover some things. He might, you know, fall off the line to something that he thinks he's interested in, but he's not. But it will start to unveil itself. And I find that besides normal schooling, which is important, whatever that specialized skill is, as long as you surround it with personal development, relationship skills, and financial intelligence – He's going to be okay. I really, honestly, truly believe that. And all the research I've done working closely with families, watching kids go from, you know, now age 14 to 21, you let them go deep into that passion, but then you also cushion around it with those three skills, personal development, relationship skills, financial intelligence, which by the way, are taught in almost no schools. But if you get that for your kids, they're going to be able to have, they're going to have a better chance at having true meaning and happiness, both professionally and personally. And that's what we all want for our kids. None of us want our kids to be liked by everyone and struggling in their career all their life. And none of us want to have the next Ebenezer Scrooge, who's super successful, huge wealth, but, but bank, bankrupt in all his relationships. So yeah, anyway, yeah, that's, that's no, no, that's a great summary. I think that that's you, you summed it up really well. I think the context, sometimes I like to try the, to create these mental constructs for myself to try to make sense of, uh, the world. And I think for some reason, I always feel like, I don't know why, but I was either cheated or lied to with this whole idea of go to school, get good job. And that's your life. Oh, and yeah. I like the idea of following your passion. And sometimes I have these images. I don't know why I'm like obsessed when I was a young kid being dropped off in Croatia and my, and my, uh, our parents, um, and our grandparents village that operated over there. And I remember seeing all these, it was like, Jim, you're going to laugh. Um, I'll just give you some more context here. When I was like in grade five or six, um, the teacher came to the front of the class and said, hey, you know, we're going to go to something called Black Creek Pioneer Village in Toronto. And it's how people used to live in the 1800s. And I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. And then I went to this village and they had like these, you know, like these shacks of houses and, you know, these pumps for water, you would pump it and the water would come out. And then I realized, oh my God, these people in this village, um, the way they're representing how people lived in the 1800s, they're better off than <laughs> my, our family is in 1985, wow. in 1985 in Croatia, because you know I mean? they didn't have a pump. They had a well, there was no washroom. Nick and I had to walk into the bush and use the washroom. There was literally, they would have a wow. roll of toilet paper for Nick and I at the back door. You would grab it on your way out, Jim. <laughs> and it was so, it was ridiculous. Uh, it was ridiculous. I can tell you stories like I've had to use things that I, 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 I won't even go down that path. But hold on. The reason I'm sharing this is because I remember looking at that village and I remember thinking, man, this is so interesting. There's literally a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, yep. and there's all these people. And these people really seem to like what they were doing. Like the butcher seemed to be like a butcher to his core. You yep. know, the, 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 the guy who would make shoes. 
shoes and repair shoes. They seem to be the shoe guy to his core. Like they all seem to be following their passion. And I always thought, wow, like if I could just help my kids find their passion back, like in the old days, how people did it and marry together some marketing skills, I think they're going to be able to take care of themselves no matter what happens to them. And it, I always relate it back to that village. That's how people seem to always operate back in the day, you know, find what you're passionate about and do it. And in today's world, if I can help them with some marketing skills to help them get and find new customers, I think that's really how I can benefit them. But I like the way you summarized it saying, cause I always thought marketing skills, like that's the biggest thing I can offer them to teach them, find the passion and marry it together with some of this. But when you say marry it with personal development, relationship skills and financial um, literacy skills, wow, that's like the complete picture to me. So, uh, yeah, really nice summary. That's cool. Okay. So sorry about the little digression there about no, the I love toilet paper. That's a powerful story. <laughs> I like the toilet paper thing. I just I, I, I had like ten jokes I was going to tell. I held them all back. I held them all back though. So <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I yeah yeah yeah. Well, yeah, we'll stop. Uh, we'll stop there. <laughs> no, but honestly, I mean, just the simple thing that I and I agree, Tom. And it's tough because we think, oh my gosh, if we don't teach our kids to go into finance or you know the lawyer doctor route, you know. Uh, a you know computer programmer now that they're going to fail. I, I think that's total BS. And like, and I always say when people say, "Oh, well, what if you know? What if my child's going to become a starving artist?" And I say, "Well, hold on. Why do they have to be a starving artist? That's such a a, a bad um, representation. I, I hate that saying, especially because there's there's so many good artists out there that think about it. If they were really able to focus on their art or whatever their artwork is." But they also knew about financial intelligence and they went to, let's say they went to your guys yearly entrepreneurial summit, you know, and learned about simple things like marketing and sales and that. And they just got some skills around that and some some ways to break through fear barriers and that personal development. Do they have to be a starving artist? I, I honestly think a lot of the artists that that succeed in the world, they on the side got those three skills. It wasn't just that their art was good. They learned how to work well with people. They took a belief in themselves. They overcame certain fears. And they also got a certain mindset around business marketing uh, and, and money management. So I think the, the whole term starving artist is a complete farce. It is an absolute lie. What about, uh, Jim, you, um, hold on, actually, before I forget, the book, what about the, where, where is it? Well, I mean, what, uh, what, so the name is what, board meeting? Board meeting. Uh, the, fa- right? the, the family board meeting. Um, and we're going to release it uh, July 30th, just in time for summer. Um, so that uh, it's a nice, easy summer read, uh, very simple uh, way to start connecting with the kids right away. You know, what, the whole goal of the book is to schedule your first board meeting with your kids and the book will equip you with what is a board meeting? Why does it work? What are the obstacles to overcome? What if my teen says this, that, that, that? What What are some ideas of what to do? All the things that we've been approached for the last five years, you know, we've we've really brought into uh, this new version of the book, and super excited to have it out there. Uh, so that'll be coming out midsummer. Okay, yeah, because you said just in time for summer, and I was like, hmm, he obviously hasn't been to Toronto for a while because it has been a while yeah. since I've seen you up here because he doesn't know that summer is only about four weeks, and that's actually the end of our summer up here. <laughs> so. Well, you you guys got to come to Florida. Our summer ends like uh, December 5th, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we don't really want to talk about that right now. <laughs> I was there. No, but I was there last winter. I just missed you. I mean, we were like I said, we were t- we were we. it's amazing when you go to Disney – you uh, you have a busy schedule, 
And, oh, man. and the kids are there, but you're, you guys are so enthralled with other Disney stuff that you're not spending much time together. Everyone's everyone's off in their own little world, I think. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, and it, uh, let me—is t- it not like some days at Disney when you start early and then go to the end? It feels like you did a CrossFit. Oh it, it, man! Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> by the time we got back to the room, yeah. By the time we got back to the room, sometimes and the kids passed out. We're like, this is. You know, this is just nuts. We were fortunate the way we the way we structured the day was we never had two park days in a row. So we would have um, one day one day on, and then one day either just hanging out by the pools, or we'd go to a water park or something just for a few hours just to kind of hang out. So we didn't Very have smart. those long days back to back. So it kind of gave everyone a break. Um, but they, they can be they can be long worth it. Totally worth it. The the highlights on on the kids' faces a couple of the times that the smiles they got and the pictures we got were like just outrageous um but yeah it, it it's uh you need a vacation from that vacation that's for sure <laughs> i agree i agree but the kids love it oh yeah you know what there's something we're not gonna have time for it today so we'll have to have you back on but because you're doing a lot of stuff around education or you're starting to do more stuff around ed- education it's nothing formal and it's you know but it's turning into something you're morphing it with the help of a lot of other people you're you've been gathering it's almost like an informal study but i, I know the different ideas and stuff you've been gathering and some of the ideas you've put together are kind of pretty cool just to focus on some other areas. So that, does that tie – you don't really cover that much stuff in the book, so we'll have to kind of do that another time, right? Because that's not really – you don't really touch on too much of that stuff. No, I don't, but, but really it all overlaps because, again, working with families, I said, what's the best thing I can do to support families? Uh, and it really comes down to rhythms, lessons, and experiences. How can I help them set a few healthy rhythms in their family that keeps it grounded? One of the biggest concerns about our kids is their future. And we're all saying, oh, well, I like school. And, you know, it's not about homeschooling or unschooling or private public school. It's saying, I want to make sure my kids got certain lessons in school that I didn't, or I had to learn from the hard knocks when I was 30. You know, we can get those lessons to our kids now. Uh, and then sharing experiences like you guys are doing in Croatia, and that experience is so important for, for, for connecting, for deepening relationships, and there's ways to really make the most out of experiences, kind of like you were talking about the brothers who wrote that book. Um, so that's, that's kind of how it ties together, and the lessons are very important. And it's, it's not like you stand in front of your kid with a ruler for six hours a day, but I just, again, I go off that 90-day increment. It really keeps me, again, honest to my biggest values and every 90, within every 90 days, I want to teach my kids one lesson within something, within those three things that I just told you about. Because I know if I do that, uh, by the time they leave the house, they're going to be way better prepared to leave the house than I ever was. Because I didn't really even know about personal development or financial intelligence or relationship skills, for the most part, uh, by the time I left the house when I was 18. No, those are all things that you're, a lot, in a lot of places, people avoid those conversations. Like, you know, n- never mind. Yeah try exactly. to look at them in depth they're they're just yeah outright avoided like the exact opposite of, of what's going to benefit the kid right exactly exactly so yeah it, it all ties together what's the what's the best all all i want to do is strengthen family life that's the whole goal of 18 summers make the most of the time that we have and what are some simple tools and frameworks that can assist you in making sure that gets done Cool. Well, you know what, that, um, because you've actually firsthand done a lot of different things around kind of trying to educate your kids and stuff, there's some lessons there. I'm not saying they're for everyone. There's some things I'm sure that you've done that have been a great success. Some things that were some lessons that you probably would, would update and change around, but it's, it's, if you're up for it, yeah, we should do it again and, and, and have you share some of those stuff. Cause I'm sure, um, those things, because I'm sure it'd be really beneficial and give other people a lot to think about. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love, I, I'd love talking with you guys i think it's very interesting how we both came from the 
school of hard knocks with more corporate and then went into real estate investing. And now you guys still have Rockstar Real Estate, which is great, but you're also now helping entrepreneurs be able to do things like you guys have done, whether it's in real estate or other areas. And it's really cool to see how we're morphing, but also I'm very serious now about spending my time around people who want to be successful at work and at home. And I know you guys want that. So I always appreciated that, that same value. Cool, man. We appreciate it. Tom, is there anything else you want to touch on? No, I think just Jim's like one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just genuinely, man. I just really mean that, dude. You're a good person. Like, uh, yeah, it's it, it's freaky. Um, so, yeah, I just want to say that. I think that. when you live by the water and you wake up and you go surfing in the morning, Maybe. I think it just kind of yeah, calms yeah, you yeah, at a different level from running around. It's rare, man. It's, it's, it's not rare. the same as waking up and jumping onto the QEW to try to make it downtown. No. You know, for yeah, but I, I, but you know what? I think you can tell that, uh, you know, Jim, how much you like to give and share. And, dude, you know, thank you from all of us because what you're sharing is, you know, it has an impact uh, sometimes in a big way, sometimes like in a tiny way and you might not even hear it. So, uh, yeah, just keep doing your thing, man. Thank you. Really nah, appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Anything yeah. I can do, let me know. Always like our conversations and have a great time this summer in Croatia. And if, you know, Jim, if any of this stuff that I'm doing spending quality, because I'm kind of messed up in some ways. So if any of this stuff is messing up my kids by me trying to spend more time with them, <laughs> it's going to be on you. Don't forget that. Right? <laughs> I'm willing to take that risk. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Jim's going to have to cut. Jim is going to have to come up with another book, how the uncle has to come in and save the kids of the younger brother. <laughs> Fun uncle saves the day, right? That's our next <laughs> So, well, good talking to you guys. I always appreciate our conversations. Yeah, thanks, man. Hey, everyone, it's Tom Kradza. So hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Jim. Um, we did have some uh, audio issues kind of clipping in and out there. Jim was coming to us uh, through Skype. I believe that's what we used for that call. I already forget. I think it was Skype. Um, and we had a few uh, few audio challenges. But hopefully uh, you survived through that and uh, and enjoyed that show. There's a couple URLs to follow up with Jim. You can reach Jim at jimshields.com. Jim Shields is J-I-M-S-H-E-I-L-S.com. Um, we will also put, uh, these URLs in the show notes for this episode, and we'll, we're going to make the show notes for this episode really easy. It'll be rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast. And if you go there, you'll find Jim, Jim's episode, or if you go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast, and then another forward slash Jim, we'll have it there as well. So if you just find the podcast section on rockstarinnercircle.com, you'll be able to find his page. And uh, it's jimshields.com. And uh, the other URL for Jim is familyboardmeetings.com. So hopefully you're enjoying these podcasts as much as we are. Thanks for listening. We're really motivated by all this. Until next time, your life, your terms. <laughs>